0: Welcome to the Newsbusters Podcast with your host, Executive Editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. We are following several ongoing media stories as we head into the weekend. Like what's going on with journalist Catherine Harridge just laid off at CBS. And the Blaze journalist Steve Baker. Also, Politico's Heidi Prisbilla and her attempted apology for saying something stupid on MSNBC about those crazy Christians who think our rights come from God. What's wrong with those people? But first, let's focus on the big news event of Leap Day, February 29. You can get all Pirates of Penzance on this, if you've never heard of that, the Gilbert and Sullivan thing where... The guy was born in February 29. That was the big plot point. All right. Anyway, uh, it was dueling border speeches. Ding, 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 ding. Biden announced he would go to the border to Brownsville, Texas. Then Donald Trump said, aha, well, we'll do that too. We'll go to Eagle Pass. This was such a story. I'm. I think ABC led with this. Days before it occurred, it's like, why don't you do today's news, not Thursday's news on Monday? That was, that's a unique thought. Now, obviously anyone would expect that this is going to be presented this way. Biden came to Texas and made sense. Trump did not, you know, that's, that's, it's what we would expect. Uh, the Democrat spin was heavy. Let's begin with ABC's World News Tonight with David Muir. He and Joe Scarborough, their hair is so high, I like making jokes about how there's a there's a, a rat in there directing what they say. Uh, anyway, like the cartoon, you know. Uh, Muir, President Biden urging Republicans to reconsider that bipartisan Senate border bill killed by Republicans in the House at the urging of Donald Trump. It was considered the strongest bipartisan immigration security plan in years. All right. Already we've decided you're completely in the Democrat camp. Pull up a chair in the Democrat tent. Make us some more. I mean, the strongest bipartisan immigration security plan in years. Compared to what? Compared to Trump? These are all the same journalists who like immigration under Trump was like one ongoing gulag of oppression. And now Biden's the tough guy. Now, one of the tests for this is to say, why is Biden suddenly going to the border? Why? What is his motivation? And the reason is his polling sucks on this. So, of course, yes, Mary Bruce comes on and she merely says, Biden confronting a growing challenge for his administration in his campaign yes why don't you give us a poll and show how he's getting his hat handed to him on immigration so he's trying to fix it but you know these people always want to pretend it's the republicans who are always struggling the republicans are always failing and flailing uh And of course, the narrative was Mary Bruce goes to the Border Patrol official and say it says, what's the biggest impact of Washington failing to pass that bill and pushes him into bashing Trump for telling the Republicans that they shouldn't pass that bill. Then she has to go on and say, well, Trump failed to build a wall and deportations actually dropped significantly far below Obama. See, this is just Democrat messaging. That is not the message you had in the Trump years. Trump was the most severe, horrendous, anti-humanitarian president ever, and now you're going to come back and say he wasn't as good as Obama? These people turn on a dime. They will say whatever the Democrats want them to say. Mary Bruce, absolutely in that competition, that if Biden gets a second term, she wants that White House press secretary job. Or she's the White House press secretary in absentia. CBS had two stories on immigration, one with Ed O'Keefe and one with a guy named Adam Yamaguchi. Nora O'Donnell began the show. Biden issued a political dare to Donald Trump to join him in pressing House Republicans to help secure the border. He issued a dare. Trump, on the other hand, took a much different approach, unleashing attacks on Biden, Democrats, and migrants, but not proposing a legislative solution. That, again, Democrat talking point, this not proposing a solution. Obviously, Trump had a policy. Trump's running on reimposing his policy. That's his solution. So if you say he doesn't have a solution, you're just saying what Biden wants you to say. Ed O'Keefe summarized, candidates played the blame game. Biden's trying to show he is addressing an issue that more than 60% of voters call a very serious concern. Okay, so he's got on screen 61% in the Monmouth poll said it's very serious, 23% somewhat serious. So you've got like 84% of the American people saying it's serious. What he didn't have was a poll showing how Trump is cleaning Biden's clock on this issue which is probably the more relevant poll because it shows you why he's there. He's there because they're trying to turn, you know, lemons into lemonade. And then O'Keefe says, this is the way they do this. Trump continued exploiting a crisis that he couldn't solve either, hoping it'll put him back in the White House. The migrant crossings now are like four times as high as they were under Trump and Ed O'Keefe has the gall to come and say he's exploiting a crisis he couldn't solve either huh I mean that once again is this news or is it democrat messaging and then they try to say well conservatives and republicans are those conspiratorial people who don't believe in an independent press as if This sounds like an independent press. It sounds very much like a dependent press or a codependency press. It sounds like press that's just like, guys, tell us what to say. Hand us the script. Then O'Keefe said Trump sought to falsely connect Biden to the recent murder of a Georgia nursing student by a Venezuelan migrant who entered the country illegally in 2022. Let's think about that again. Trump sought to falsely connect Biden to Lake and Riley's murder. Now, Biden didn't murder Lake and Riley. But he's basically saying that Biden's policies let this guy in, which is true. Now, you could say, let's not be so rough as to smear Biden with the murder of Lake and Riley. Well, guess what? Let's go on the time machine at Newsbusters, August 5, 2019. CBS's Chip Reed, who was once a Biden employee, says Sunday several Democratic presidential candidates said the president should be held accountable for mass shootings. There was a mass shooting at a, an, a, a, an El Paso Walmart with a guy complaining about the immigration. He played a clip of Beta O'Rourke saying the president not only tolerates but invites the kind of racism and hate That not only offends us, but changes who we are as a country. Reid summarized Democrat Julian Castro. Trump has given license for white supremacy to fester. The CBS graphic on screen echoed. Hatred and violence. Dem candidates say President Trump should be held accountable. Ed O'Keefe or Chip Reid doesn't say. Democrats falsely accused. Falsely connected Trump to a mass shooting. This is the double standard. This is the Democrat machine that is CBS News. Now, we should say, Ed at least noticed that Biden came into office and reversed Trump's immigration policies. Yes, thank you. That would put it in some context. The border has been a dramatic issue for three years now. and we have repeatedly here at Newsbusters tried to show you that when new numbers came out showing record highs of migration, record highs, record highs, and the networks would try to ignore it because that to them was not an issue. The Democrats told them it was not an issue. The other story, Adam Yamaguchi, this was one of those stories that just sort of touts the heroism or the courage of illegal immigrants. He uses lines like, they're taking their first perilous steps on U.S. soil. On screen of the words, migrants describe harrowing journey to reach U.S. Yes, Yamaguchi said they made it through rugged, punishing terrain. This is where they always have to channel the views of the illegal immigrant like they are such courageous people. They have the noblest of intentions and they've made such a harrowing journey. I mean, and what about the people who have to pay for them? And this is this is a problem we've had for a long time. As I will go back to saying, I studied this in two thousand six, when George H. W. Bush, George W. Bush was president, and it, the whole focus was on Hector wants to come out of the shadows. You know, the heroes were the illegal immigrants, the people who were worth focusing on and sympathizing with were the illegal immigrants. And if you objected to that, I guess you were a racist. All right, NBC, sort of the same thing. Biden pushed the bipartisan border package. I I, I just love the way there's the distancing with the ten foot pole language. Gabe Gutierrez, Trump hits what he calls lax border policies. Earth to NBC, what do you call them? Are they not lax? If they're four, t- if the migration's four times as high as it was under Trump, what would you call it? Tough. What he calls. See, uh, Biden can make all kinds of claims and they don't say what Biden calls. Whatever Biden says is truth. Then they talk about the Lake and Riley murder, and, and, and Gutierrez says crimes allegedly committed by migrants. Well, yes, we understand that the assailant here or the suspected assailant, the one that's in custody, is an illegal immigrant they just want to somehow put distance like, well, migrants are only alleged to commit crimes. Then NBC News cited some study they did showing crime went down in cities with the largest illegal immigrant influx. But the story online that they published at NBCNews.com admits the data is incomplete on how many crimes each year are committed by migrants primarily because most local police don't record immigration status when they make arrests. Okay, if that's the case, why is NBC putting this picture on screen that crime has gone down in Chicago, in New York, in Denver? And of course, they exclude Washington, D.C., because crime's going up in Washington, D.C. But basically, they're trying to fact-check Trump. They're fact-checking him. And then the story that they cite says, well, police in these big cities don't mark down whether they have an immigration status. Well, then just leave the fact check out, won't you? Because there's no facts. You don't have enough facts. We'll say this for Gabe Gutierrez. He did put the poll on screen. Trump is more trusted at the border. 57% to 22. That's a 35 point gap. Only 22% of Americans trust Biden on the border. The other 78, not so much. That would explain why Biden would go to the border and pretend to care. Gutierrez also asked the Border Patrol official if Biden shouldn't have visited a busier part of the border. The guy said yes. See, he went to Brownsville, Texas, where there isn't a lot of flow. Trump went to Eagle Pass, where the flow is quite intense. Adam Yamaguchi was saying in California there's massive influx there on the rugged punishing terrain of California. Biden didn't go someplace where he'd be embarrassed by a lot of migrants. Over on the PBS NewsHour, the extremely biased Laura Barone Lopez, White House reporter, also looked at a Border Patrol official and she lined up how he said Congress does have some fault in this. But, you know, I love the way he ended this, and he said this on several different channels. We need to either get somebody in here that will enforce the border, or the president needs to take action like the last president did. He's just saying it right there. They actually allowed those words on on the television. Biden needs to take action like Trump did. But, you know, Biden can just get up and say silly things like, You know and I know this is the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. Ever. Once again, you people all said everything that Trump was doing made the country a gulag. And now it's like, no, we've got the best ever. It's preposterous. Now, Fred Lucas did kind of a fact check on Biden's remarks at the Daily Signal. Fred used to work over here at CNS News. He was just noticing, you know, uh, some of the stuff that Biden said, not just that this was the best ever, the most efficient, most effective border security bill ever. He also said it's long past time to act. Folks, it's time for us to move on this. It can't wait any longer. You've been letting this problem fester for three entire years. You reversed all the policies that would be any kind of control on it. And now you're going to say, guys, it's way past time. I mean, how preposterous is that? And again, these Democrat publicists at the network just let this stuff fly. Laura Barone Lopez once again had to do the fact checking on the migrants and the crime. She said to Jeff Bennett, I want to point out, Jeff, fact check one of the things the former president said today. He was talking about claiming there was a migrant crime wave occurring, and the data just doesn't match up with that, Jeff. A Stanford study shows immigrants are 60% less likely than native-born Americans to be incarcerated And also in sanctuary cities. Each unit increase in the unauthorized immigration population actually represents a 5% decrease in violent crime. I'm sorry. I simply don't believe that. And I think what you're going to find is that these scholars that are doing these studies are to the left of Biden. They very much want to try to say migration and crime cannot be connected. Well, in some of these cases, like Lake and Riley, we all understand something. Don't give us the big picture. Let's look at the anecdote. All right. You can say that's unfair. But, you know, the anecdote worked in the El Paso Walmart shooting. In the Lake and Riley anecdote, if said Jose Ibarra gets thrown out of the country when he comes in and sent back to Venezuela on a plane, she lives. We have a series of these. You know, you can say that what they're basically trying to say is, well, we think 97% of murders are committed by citizens. (laughs) That's not the point. The point is if the illegal immigrants were deported you wouldn't have those particular murders see but they just hate this because this has always been the trump argument on the border and that is they're not letting in their finest they can't stand that idea well the reality may be that a bunch of the people Who migrate into this country are wonderful people who love their children and are hard workers and maybe even they're good Christians who knows all but the the fact of the matter is we still have to have some sort of immigration control Mexico has a system of immigration control Canada has some sort of a system every country tries to control their borders I think America, again, on a global scale, America is incredibly open to immigration compared to other countries. That's certainly the case under Biden. Now, I want to go back to something else. I was listening to The Daily, a podcast of The New York Times. Usually it's, I'm Michael Barbaro, see you tomorrow. Well, this his co-anchor, the this lady shows up sometimes to host Sabrina Tavernisi, and she was hosting this particular one on the split screen at the border. Um, her guest for the podcast was their White House reporter, Zolan Cano Youngs. Sometimes you can see him on CNN's Inside Politics and other programs. Cano Youngs vaguely cited recent polling for Biden's visit, but he didn't give any actual numbers. What he said was there were a record number of crossings, and this represents a huge political vulnerability for Biden. And the former president is trying to seize, seize on that vulnerability. They ran clips of both. They ran sound of Trump really hammering on violent migrants killing people, like stabbing a guy in the face. So, of course, Tavernisi says he's doubling down on demagoguery.
1: It's an honor to have your support and your endorsement and likewise me to you. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thank you. So essentially today we saw Trump being Trump on immigration, you know, doubling down on the same demagoguery that he's been using really since he first declared his run for presidency back in 2015.
2: Right, the rhetoric is familiar, but let's be clear, what the former president is planning, if he's elected, would go even further than the policies that we saw when he was in office. My colleagues have reported already that former President Trump is drawing up policies that take his immigration crackdown even further.
0: Now, Cano Young's is appalled that Trump would use military language about this, like, this is a war! Well, it's not like they're shooting at the border, but the migrants are just pouring over and then they're getting processed and they're put on buses and on planes and then they get free meals and housing and gift cards. If we use military analogies, Biden's policy is a perpetual surrender. It is a perpetual enhancement of a welfare state where citizens pay for the care and feeding of illegal immigrants Our media is fine with that they don't see any issue they don't understand why people might be upset about that that maybe people are working for a small salary in a white rural area and they have to send their money to pay for illegal immigrants and when they get mad at that it's white rural rage oh no okay so then the New York Times podcasters turn to Biden's speech, and they just accept Biden's bald-faced lies about how now's the time to act. I'm the toughest ever. And then they tout Biden's dare to dare to a, for Trump to approve the bipartisan Senate deal. They never question whether this is the toughest ever, when it's obviously not as tough as Trump was. But these two marveled that, ooh, the White House was going on the offensive against Trump. Then they also have to complain that Biden's argument is a harder sell. You know why? Because Biden's argument is so sophisticated. It has so many layers. It's somehow unfair to note, hey, Biden's in office. There's a border crisis. Maybe you could blame Biden. Tavernese actually said Biden here has to do a triple axel. So this is Sabrina's line on the daily. Trump is a doubling down demagogue. Biden is somehow an Olympic figure skater.
1: So Biden is not only saying that he too cares about border security and he wants to really crack down on crossings, you know, something we haven't heard from Democrats so much of late, but now he's turning it around on the Republicans, right, actually going on the offensive, saying, you know, not only am I tough on this, they're actually weak on this. Like they're the ones who won't do anything to fix it. They're the problem. It's on them.
2: They're the ones that are neglecting this crisis. We are the ones that are actually proposing solutions for this. But I have to say this is really going to be challenging for the White House and President Biden. You have this sort of Real difficult balancing act of explaining the legislative challenges and talking about your legislative proposals for this crisis, but that's going up against Trump's strategy of stoking division and stoking anger on this issue. Former President Trump has proven that he can galvanize his base with his strategy. Whether or not this works, that's something to watch moving forward.
1: Right, it's kind of a triple axle, right? Like, Like when you think about it, he's trying to get a regular voter To see the border crisis, to look at what's happening on the border, and instead of just blaming the guy in charge, him, he's asking that voter to understand that there was this bipartisan bill in Congress, that Biden himself had endorsed it, was prepared to sign it, that, you know, he would have been tough on border issues, but that the Republicans wouldn't bring it to a vote because Trump didn't want them to. You know, it's not a simple message. It's much easier for Trump. All he has to do is say, hey, the border's a mess. The other guy's in charge. Blame him.
2: Yes, I think that's right.
0: They just love this preposterous argument that Trump and the Republicans can be considered the weaklings on immigration who don't want a border solution. That's when you know this is a conversation between Democrats. These journalists all raged and raged about Trump being inhumane, and now he's the 98-pound weakling? Give us a break. All right, so now to these other things that we're following. Curtis has been following this whole saga on Katherine Harridge. She was laid off at CBS. Then they tried to keep all of her reporting materials. They actually surrendered on those. We've been pressuring on this issue. Late on Thursday afternoon, a Washington, D.C.-based federal district court judge moved to hold Harridge in contempt of court for refusing to disclose her sources from a 2017 story while she was at Fox News. It's about a federal probe into a Chinese-American scientist who was never charged with espionage. Now, this is part of what reporting is. Someone's charged with espionage or suspected of espionage. That's what you report. There's nothing horrible about that unless, of course, you're the suspect. You can consider that to be unfair. But it's not wrong for reporters to say somebody is suspected of espionage. This is the way that the whole process is going. But, you know, when you've been cleared, you want to go back and punish the people who talked about it. OK, I'm, I'm not one of these people who who always thinks that anonymous sources should be protected. Maybe I'm a little bit of a 98 pound weakling on that. I think anonymous sources are so often not just used, but abused. Anonymous sources get to wage war on people without ever citing who they are. So we can understand them and their motives. What are their motivations? Are they politically motivated? Are they financially motivated? Do they just hate this person because they had a bad date? You know, you don't know because you don't know who the anonymous source is. But this is, you know, this is the case with Harage. And what's amazing about this is the same people who were so sensitive to like Jim Acosta's right to report at the White House. None of the major broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, cared enough to cite this actual, what you could call an attack on press freedom. They didn't have it on their Friday morning shows. It was the same story on MSNBC, News Nation, and even the Fox News channel. So CBS employed Harridge didn't touch it. Fox News employed Harridge didn't touch it. Come on, fellas and ladies. This is worth reporting and investigating. This is actually one of those moments where you could say, wow, Brian Stelter used to have a show on CNN where they could discuss these things. It would be really funny if there was actually such a show still and Brian Stelter didn't do it. <laughs> then there's Nicholas Fondacaro on Heidi Prisbella. It looks like that she doesn't have any vowels in her name. Now, she went on MSNBC and just face-planted in warning about Christian nationalists. You know, those people who think our rights and liberties are granted by God, our creator, and not granted by Congress or the Supreme Court. Now, lots of people owned her looking at our founding documents. We are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And Heidi Prisbilla doesn't believe any of that. Uh, Now, there was a letter written to Politico where she currently is called a democracy investigator. You know what that means? It means she assaults conservatives. That's what she's up to. That's certainly what she was doing on MSNBC. Now, it's okay if you want to say, oh, beware of the Christian nationalists and their political agenda. They don't believe in separating the church and state. They want to impose, you know, the Christian church on our country. All right. There's a case to be an argument to be made there on some level. If you want, you can look at people's documents and say, God should be running America by our lights, by what, you know, we think Christ, how they would want to run America. You want to do that? That's fine. But, you know, just the whole notion that it's scary to think God creates our rights, that where she just, fell on the ground. And 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 that this whole idea that if you are a Christian conservative or Christian Republican in America, that you can be lumped into white Christian nationalists, the danger to democracy. You know, the same way that MSNBC is doing this book. Now in Morning Joe, white rural rage, white rural people are the threat to democracy. Okay then. So Heidi Prisbilla writes this I don't know if you want to call it an apology. You could call it a clarification. You know, when they don't want to correct themselves, they call it a clarification. That's sort of the article she wrote. This was her summary. Every person's spiritual motivations are entitled to respect. But are they really? Not the way you people report. Once these motivations take them onto the stage of politics and lawmaking, that will affect the lives of fellow citizens, however, and they will be treated the same as any other political actor, she proclaimed. That means they can expect journalistic scrutiny. They can expect fair and well-reported coverage of their political aims and the tactics used to advance them. Excuse me, that's not what you did. It took Prisbilla eight paragraphs to finally address the reason she was writing the article. Due to some clumsy words, I was interpreted by some people as making arguments that are quite different from what I believe you know this is where really what you ought to be submitted to is an actual interview where we say which part of this sentence you said is something you don't believe because it sure came across as very self assured that there are crazy people who think our rights come from god that's that's not a misinterpretation of what she said but you know again the whole problem with all of these people is they're not religious people they don't believe in religion, and what she's really saying here is, once your religion crosses into your politics, I'm going to scream about it, because there shouldn't be any religion in our politics. That's what they're saying. Now, of course, the comedy in all this, uh, I just did a column, and, and it's the uh, the uncommitted vote in Michigan, which is driven by Muslims, Muslims who like Hamas. Now, do you think Heidi Prisbilla is ever going to say, we don't really like the way that Islam's and Muslims are imposing their theology or their anti-Semitism into politics. No, they treated them with kid gloves. It's always like, oh, there's this interesting movement suggesting Biden hasn't been harsh enough on Israel's management of the war on Hamas. They don't use a label. They don't describe them as radical. They present them as reasonable. Church-state separation kind of comes for the christians it doesn't for the muslims and when the christians complain about the muslims then the leftists really get upset about those christian theocrats these are the sorts of things we follow here at newsbusters you know i'll say my sign of the cross you know i like to say a, a prayer before i go on television or radio so i make sense or at least i maybe i rant a little less You know, I let the church invade my brain as much as Heidi Prisbilla doesn't like people doing that when they're political. But that does motivate us. It's part of what drives us here at Newsbusters. If you want to see our interpretation of the way these atheists and seculars report on the news, that's why you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.